lift your voice all over this house and give God a shout of praise. God's been good to you. You ought to close your eyes and worship the King right now. Hallelujah. Go ahead, from the front to the back, let's have an apostolic worship service for a moment right now. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. There's already somebody connected to Jesus in this place today. Hallelujah. Somebody came hungry for a movement of God's spirit this morning. God, let your perfect will be done. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Anybody glad you know who Jesus is? Anybody got the Holy Ghost and still excited about it? Are you glad to be in a church where there's liberty to lift your voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph? Praise God. If you have your Bible, the book of Acts chapter 2. This is a God moment today. God knew who would be here today, and it's no accident that you're in this service. It's not by chance that you're here on this Sunday morning. God had more to do with it than you did. God's got other plans for some people in this house and the plans that you're making for your own life right now. And in the midst of all the plans you're making, God's got one request. Include him in those plans. The cry of every Christian ought to be what John the Baptist said. I must decrease so that he can increase. I've got to get me out of the way. I've got to put my dreams on hold. My desires on hold. Say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Isn't that always the battle? It's our will against his will. We want God to accept our will. It's like the clay telling the potter he's going to have to do it the way we want him to do it. It's the creation telling the creator, you're just going to have to put up with me. But there's a great liberty in saying, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Whatever that entails, you're never more miserable than when you're out of the will of God. I'm already preaching this morning. And if you're in this house today and you're wondering, what's a Pentecostal apostolic church all about? I'm going to endeavor to answer that question for you today. I want you to know you're in the right place with the right God that can meet every need that's in this building. Two verses of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse number 12 will be the first verse. This is on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. And verse 12 of Acts 2 says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? What meaneth this? Verse number 37 
Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. When they heard the answer to what meaneth this, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. This is what preaching is supposed to accomplish. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? And I'm going to preach this morning about the most important question you'll ever ask. The most important question you will ever ask. Why don't you lay your Bibles down and all over this building, would you close your eyes, open your mouth, and would you ask Jesus to not only speak to you, but that you would help, help you respond to the Word of God today. Cornerstone Church, if you've got the Holy Ghost, I need you to lift your voice above a whisper and pray that God's will would be done in this house. Let's have an apostolic prayer meeting like Holy Ghost-filled people know how to do. God, I pray there would be an old-time anointing that would destroy every yoke of bondage. God, I pray conviction would stir every heart, God. Let the glory of God fill this place in a mighty way. God, anoint our hearts and our minds. Let your perfect will be done. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in this house today. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord a shout of praise. You may be seated. If you're here today with questions. I've come to preach to you in this service this morning. If you've lost your way, I've come to preach to you today. If you're away from God and not where you need to be, I've come to preach to you in this house today. If you're in this house and you have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof, I've come to preach to you in this service this morning. But let this evangelist encourage somebody in this house. There's going to be a time. As all of the members of this church are going to come out of their seats and gather across this front and begin to pray. Don't stay in your seat. I encourage you, get out of your seat and join the rest of the church and find you a place to pray after the word has been preached. Because no amount of truth can help anybody that doesn't respond to it. If you want God to move in your life, I challenge you today, do more than just sit on the pew. But when you begin to feel the word of God touch your heart, and everybody begins to move. In fact, at any point in this service, when you're ready to receive the Holy Ghost, you can lift your hands and begin to pray, and God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's always time for God to intervene in somebody's life. There's no special moments. Uh, when God begins talking, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, that while he yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. God can begin filling people with the promise of the Holy Ghost while the preaching is still going forth. And this preacher is here to preach to you today that that's exactly what God wants to do in this service. God wants people to leave here delivered, 
saved, renewed in the power of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want you leaving here empty. He doesn't want you leaving here bound. He doesn't want you leaving here dead in your sins. Uh, He's a God that liberates and sets at liberty the deepest, darkest of sinners. Uh, He sets free those that are bound by false doctrine, those that are bound by depression, those that are bound by addictions, those that are bound... uh, by false ways, those that are bound by pride, those that are bound by bitterness. You're in the right place with the right God today. If we can just get ourselves out of the way and just admit, God, my way's not working. I need your help. God can do great things on a Sunday morning and forever change somebody's life like he's done for so many people in this building. Are there any changed and delivered people in the house on a Sunday morning that could say, I once was lost in sin? I was once in dead religion. I was once bound by emptiness. But the Spirit of God intervened in my life, and now I'm not what I used to be. That's what God does when he gets a hold of somebody. He brings life to dead places. Hallelujah. Somebody worship the king in this house right now. Hallelujah. There's liberty here today. Praise God. Praise God. We face a lot of questions in our life that we've got to find answers to, even down to as simple as what you're going to wear when you wake up in the morning, or who you're going to marry, or what you're going to do with your life, and on and on every day you're making decisions, whether you even realize that's what you're doing or not, just like you make decisions when you come to the house of God, whether or not you're going to respond to the preaching, whether or not you're going to repent, whether or not you're going to let the Word of God prick your heart, you're making decisions, whether or not you're going to worship, whether or not you're going to surrender to God. But of all the important questions and of all the important decisions that you can make, there is something that is the most important on top of it all, and that is the question of salvation. Our eternity after you die is the most important thing that you're ever going to get settled in this life. Uh, Whether or not you go to heaven or hell should be the number one thing that you make sure I've got this settled, I've got this straightened out. Uh, The Word of God urges us that above all else, we must make our election and our calling sure, and we must be diligent to make sure we are on our way to heaven. I want to be saved. I want to be hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm interested in going to heaven. I'm not interested in being lost. I'm not interested in my family going to hell. I'm not interested in my children being raised, never knowing truth and never knowing the presence of God. I love my children too much to drag them out of the house of God because I want my whole family to be saved and hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, I believe that there ought to be a lot of thought and a lot of effort, uh, and a lot of energy be put into answering the question, uh, is my soul ready to meet God? Uh, Is my heart right with Jesus? I believe it's more important than whatever degree you're trying to get at college. I believe it's more important than your job decisions. I believe it's more important than my pride. I believe it's more important than making a name for myself. Uh, The number one thing that I need to be worried about is, is my heart right with God? Uh, Is my children saved? Is my family on its way to heaven? Uh, I don't want to sacrifice my family on the altar of my selfish ambitions uh, because I'm too concerned about fulfilling the desires of my flesh. Praise God. Can I just preach a little while in this house today? 
One of the biggest debates going on. I am going somewhere. We're going to have a slow platform today. One of the biggest debates going on in our world, uh, in our modern religious world, is arguments over what it takes to be saved. Uh, that's why there's so many different dogmas, and that's why there's so many different church names and religions and organizations and all this going on. While there's all kinds of little things that are argued about, when you get down to the root difference, the division, again, you're in an apostolic church today, so I'm going to preach to you an apostolic message. Uh, when you get down to the root question of what makes you different, the division is all Always, what does it take to be saved? Uh, what's required of me? And you can ask many different people in our world that we're living in, and you will find, if you even get an answer, many different answers. Uh, and there is dogmas and religions, and everybody's got their opinion, and everybody has got their own ideas. Uh, and what I am finding more and more as I've traveled the last seven years now, and I'll quiz people, and I'll say, if I go to your church, and I, I'll just assume that everybody goes to church, and, and I'll say, if I were to walk into your church, and I were to ask them, uh, I know nothing about the Bible. I want to know, what do I need to do to go to heaven? What do I need to do to be saved? Uh, what is the answer that they're going to give me? Uh, and I've been surprised at 99 point. I think I've only ever had two people give me an answer that most people look at me with a stunned look in their eyes uh, as if they've never thought about it. Uh, and time and again, I've had person after person say, you know, I'm not really sure what they would tell you. Uh, and so I give them the benefit of the doubt and figure, well, maybe they just started going to the church. Uh, maybe they, they've only been there a few weeks. And I'll say, well, how long have you been going to church there? And they'll say, well, my whole life or I've been there five years. And I say, well, don't you think that's kind of something you should know by now uh, is what does it take to be saved? Uh, after all, what other reason would anybody get out of bed and attend the house of God uh, if it's not trying to find the answer to the question, what do I need to do to be saved? Uh, what are churches preaching if somebody can sit on the pew for five years uh, and still not have the answer to the question uh, of what you need to tell a sinner it takes uh, to get out of hell and get into hell? I want to ask some people in this house this morning, why are you here? What did you come expecting this morning? What did you come out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaking in the wind? Did you just come to hear somebody pat you on the back? Or there's a motivation in your spirit that says, I want to go to heaven at some point. I'm in the house of God because I've got to be saved. Most people will check out everything in life. I'm not going to go to this college till I check it out. I'm not going to go to this job till I check it out. I want to make sure it's right. I want to make sure it's legit. But when it comes to their soul, they can just go anywhere. Don't matter what they preach, what's said. But I've come to preach to somebody today. It does matter the answer to the question. Because the most important thing in this world is making sure I've been washed in the blood. I've got to be filled with the salvation of the Holy Ghost. Well, I feel God talking to somebody today. What is your primary purpose that motivates you to go to church? Why do you come? Why are you here today? What was your reason to check out Cornerstone this morning? Most people will give you various reasons if you ask them, why do you go to the church that you go to? Well, I like their music. Well, I like their after-school programs. Well, my kids really have fun. They've got a good youth group. Rarely do you hear, because I found salvation there. Can I just do the work of the evangelist today? 
Rarely do you hear because I got forgiven there and my life forever changed. I had an experience with God that forever changed my life. And I said, I've got to go here for the rest of my life. I'm thankful for everybody that goes to church because of good music. And they have lots of programs for the poor. And they've got social events. Thank God for all of that. That's all well and good. But what about salvation? Do you know what it takes to be saved? Do you know what they preach about how to get to heaven? Is your family living right? Are your children spiritual? Have you obeyed the gospel? Because if you get everything else in life, but you haven't got the answer to the question about salvation, everything else is a waste. If your church that you've attended for years preaches more about motivation than they do about salvation, you need to find another church. If you've heard more about world history and parenting and being a good dad and thank God for all of that, but you still don't know how to preach, tell somebody about salvation, you need to find another church. If you've been gone for a while and you don't know what the preacher would tell you it takes to be saved. I've come to preach to you. It's not a church. It's a community center. But when it's the church of God, it wasn't built to feed the poor only. And thank God we can feed the poor. It wasn't built just to have a good music program. But he said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What was the purpose of the church? He said, I'm going to pull my people out of hell. I've come to save lost souls. Come on. Jesus Christ did not establish the church and purchase us with his blood for us to have a good after school program, for us to have a food bank. These things are all well and good, but he said, I've come to save people. I've come to save people. I've come to save people. Somebody lift your hands and worship the king right now. Somebody that's got the Holy Ghost, that's found the answer, lift your voice. Come on, this is why I come to church. If your purpose of going to church is not about salvation, you're not going for the right reasons. Uh, the number one motivating factor of why this preacher's in this pulpit today is I'm trying to preach salvation to somebody in this building. Uh, I've been brought out of darkness. Uh, that's why I'm in the house of God. Uh, I'm not here because the choir's good and they are good. Uh, I'm here because God's good. Uh, because he brought me out of sin. Uh, he broke the bondage of addiction. Uh, he saved my soul from hell. Uh, don't let him worship by himself. He delivered somebody in this house from drugs. He brought somebody out of bondage. He brought somebody out of false doctrine. And that's why you worship him. That's why we're in this building today. It's because it's all about salvation. The most important question you need to ask the church is not, do you have good youth programs? It's not, do you feed the poor? Are you making fun of that stuff? No, sir. I am thankful that God blesses us to help people in need. But that's not the most important thing I need to know when I come to the house of God. It's not what kind of music do you have. It's not what's your Sunday school program about. The most important question that you ever need to ask the church, the first thing on your mind, what does it take to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Because nothing else matters in life until you've found the answer to the most important question in the world. Nothing else is important until I've answered the question, what does it take to be saved? Well, what is that answer, Brother Cox? I'm glad you asked. If you're going to find the answer, you've got to go to day one of the church. You don't go to the third century. You don't go back to multiple councils after the 
the birth of the church, uh, you've got to go to day one. Uh, and you've got to go to the first message that was preached uh, the day the church was birthed. Uh, you've got to go to Acts chapter 2 uh, and you open up in verse number 1 that says, And when the day of Pentecost uh, was fully come, uh, they were all with one accord in one place. Uh, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven uh, as of a rushing mighty wind. Uh, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Uh, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to be filled with the power of God as the church was birthed into this world of sin. And they began talking with tongues and they began worshiping God. And people all around started saying, these people have lost their mind. And they asked the first question, what does this mean? What is this all about? What's going on here? You first walked into a Pentecostal church and you saw these crazy lunatics running around the building and you thought, what's this all about? What meaneth this? What's the purpose in all the leaping and the dancing and the jumping up and down and the making all the noise? Are these people crazy? And he stood up and some began to say, these people are drunk. They began to make fun of them. And Peter started preaching. They're not as drunk as you suppose. This is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, saith God, I would pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. He began to preach. We're acting this way because God God's got a hold of us, and God's made a difference in our life. You come in, and you see people, and all you see is them acting crazy. All you see is them jumping up and down, but you didn't see where they were when God brought them out of sin. There are people in this house that were bound by drugs. There are people in this building that were on their way to hell, and they didn't get saved by some dead religion. They didn't get saved in a dead church. They didn't get broken through by just repeating a prayer and waving their head. No, no, no. Something then begin to happen in an altar as the Spirit of God uh, began to resurrect things that had died. Uh, yes, uh, we may get a little excited, uh, but let me tell you what this means. Uh, I've been delivered from sin. Uh, let me tell you why I leap. Uh, he brought me out of depression. Uh, any delivered people in the house today uh, that could begin to worship God uh, and say that preacher's preaching it right. Uh, he, Any people that's got the Holy Ghost uh, that remembers where you were before God had an encounter with you at an altar. Go ahead. Somebody worship God with all your heart right now. Come on. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. Let me tell you what this means. There's a lot of exes in this building. There's ex-alcoholics, ex-anger problem people, ex-drug addicts, ex-abusers, ex-bound by false doctrine, ex-depressed people, ex-oppressed people. But what all this means is one day I went to the altar and I found the answer to the question. What does it take to be saved? And it worked. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I've been changed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. That's why I don't jump uh, about a football score. Uh, I don't get excited and scream because they slam dunk. Uh, but when you begin to preach about the blood of Jesus uh, and all that he's done for us, uh, something in me says, hey, that's what saved me. If anybody's going to get my worship, 
It's not the gods of this world. It's not the rock band. But it's the God that shed blood for me. I was on my way to hell. But Jesus saved my soul. like the man that brought his visitor to church and said, I hope, I hope it's just a calm service this morning. I won't want my visitor and my guests to be uncomfortable. Let me just tell you something. When people come here, they want to see what we are. Nobody goes to the rock concert and says, well, they just got a little out of hand. Men don't go to strip clubs and say things like, all they want is my money. You'll put your investment in things you think is worth it. Let me tell you, it's not out of place to get a little out of hand when you worship the king. Are there any Davids in the house that deserve to be lost, but God forgave you anyway? Praise him with a loud voice. Praise him in the dance. Praise him with the sultry in the harp. Praise him with the... You give your emotion to what you think is worth it. We just think God's worth all of our emotion. Well, I just hope it's a quiet service because I don't want my guests to get upset. And they got there and they started singing some song about the cross. And sure enough, that one sister that always makes that loud yell started this, woo! Woo! And he's thinking, my God. So he leans over to the guest and says, listen, she was a streetwalker. She came to church one night and went to the altar. She started repenting and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And she just can't help it. When they begin to sing about the cross, she gets so excited. She starts making noise because God brought her out of a life of sin. And the visitor said, okay, I understand. And sure enough, old brother Bob began running around the building. When they started singing, he lifted me. And he said, let me, let me tell you about Bob here. He was an alcoholic, and his marriage was on the rocks in the divorce courts. But he came and repented at the altar, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And his marriage is back together, and he's never had a drink since. So they sing, he lifted me, and he talks, thinks about being lifted out of where he was at. And he just gets excited, and he'll run and act crazy. And the visitor is shaking his head, saying, okay. And about five times with explanation, the visitor looked at him and said, I get why they're doing what they're doing. But why aren't you doing anything? Hasn't God done anything for you? When I bring a guest to church, I want them to know God's been better to me than anybody else in this building. Come on, did he save anybody? What does this mean? I'll tell you what it means. I was lost in sin. I was bound by darkness. But God filled me with the Holy Ghost. God saved my soul. These men are not drunk as you suppose, uh, but they do have the Holy Ghost. Uh, they've been washed by the blood, uh, and God can do it for everybody in this building today. 
Well, I don't think it's necessary. You get what I got, and you'll think it's very necessary. Peter starts preaching Jesus. I know this is different. Sorry, Brother Cox. Do what he feels, but Peter starts preaching Jesus and begins to preach that they've crucified him. He's answering the question, what meaneth this? And as he begins to preach, this same Jesus has been made both Lord and Christ that you took with wicked hands and slew him and hung him on a tree. And he begins to preach the gospel to them. He begins to preach Jesus, good news, uh, that what you intended and did wickedly, he died for your sin. And he's preaching the gospel. He's preaching Jesus Christ. Uh, and the Bible says when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said, men and brethren, here it is. They asked the most important question that you'll ever ask in your life. Uh, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? We want to know, what does it take? What do I need to do? This is what the church is all about. What must I do? What shall we do? What does it take to be saved? And there's only one answer to that question. You hear this preacher loud and clear. You may never hear this again in your life if you don't come back to this church. You hear this preacher loud and clear. There is not multiple ways to be saved. There is not what's true for you works for you, and I got to find my own way. There's one path. Straight and narrow is the gate, and few that be that find it. There's only one message of salvation. There's not multiple plans and entrances. There's not multiple gates. Uh, there's not multiple doors. Uh, when Noah built an ark, they didn't put four doors on the boat. Uh, he said there's one door in and there's one door out. Uh, when God brought them out of Egypt, he said we're going through one way, the Red Sea. Uh, you've got to go by the door. You've got to go. Jesus said, I am the door. Uh, he did not say I am the doors. Uh, he did not say I am the ways. Uh, he said, I am the way. Uh, I am the door. Uh, he said there's only one way. Uh, he said straight and are you hearing me right now? Huh? It's not just up to personal private interpretation. Huh? It's not just up to my opinion. Huh? It's got to be what is the answer that Scripture gave. Huh? And let me tell you what Peter did not say. Huh? Peter did not say when they said, what shall we do? He did not say, repeat after me. Is this too simple or are you just going to let this man be apostolic right now? He did not say, accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. And let me just stop here. Nobody in the Bible said, accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Not one person or scripture says that. That just rocked somebody's world. You can fact check it in your Bible. Huh? He did not say sign this card. He did not say just accept the Lord as your personal Savior. He did not say repeat this prayer. When they said, what shall we do? Peter's first answer was, repent. Are you hearing the preacher right now? He said there's only one answer to the question. It's not accept the Lord. It's not believe only. You've got to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. This is not a way. It's the only way. This is not one of the answers. It's the only answer. There's no other way to be born again except of the water and the Spirit. You've got to repent. Anybody got the Holy Ghost in this house right now? You ought to lift your voice. 
Come on. I'm giving somebody the answer to the most important question. It's the only answer. They said, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. Peter said, it starts in getting things right. where the battle is. People don't struggle with baptism. They struggle with repentance. It's love of the world. That's why the apostle said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We could get a lot of people dunked in the waters, but they just don't want to repent. But you can't be saved without repentance. You've got to get sin out. Uh, you've got to stop the process. Uh, this was Demas's problem. Uh, he tried to go so far, but it was loving this present world. Uh, that's always the problem. Uh, we are so enamored with this messed up, broken, uh, broken morals uh, of the world we live in. Uh, we know every score of every broken moral football player and can't quote more than two scriptures in our Bibles. Uh, we are so enamored by Hollywood. Uh, we are so enamored by celebrities. Uh, we are so enamored by their immoral lifestyles. Uh, we're so enamored. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We are so enamored. We feel like we've got to shine. Uh, we feel like we've got to be everything the world wants us to be. Uh, and all the world's ever done is wreck lives uh, and wreck minds and wreck homes uh, and mess people up. Uh, and yet we struggle so much uh, saying, I've got to get rid of the world. Uh, we love the world. We love our flesh too much. Uh, but if you're going to get right with God, uh, you've got to love not the world. Uh, you've got to repent. Uh, there's got to be a turn in your life that says I don't want anything the world's got to offer. I'm not interested in its fashion. I'm not interested in its lifestyles. Come on, if you'll hear this preacher, this will save your soul. If you'll let God get the love of the world out of you and let him love you the way he wants to love you. Let God save you. Let God dig out the addictions. Come on, I feel something breaking right now. God's coming against a cigarette addiction. God's coming against the pride problem. God's coming against some false doctrine in this house. God's come to shine the light in this building today. God's come to say, let's leave the world behind. Repent and be baptized. Let the blood wash you. Anybody that's been washing the blood, you ought to lift your hands and thank God. Somebody needs to leave the world behind today. See, the world lies. The world tells you it'll treat you better than it's done everybody else that's destroyed. The world will say other people were stupid with it. I can handle it. I, 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 I can control it. I'll never be as bad as those people. I'll be smarter than they are with sin. But you find out real quick, nobody controls sin. Sin controls you. You're hearing the preacher today? Nobody controls sin. Nobody can handle sin. You're not equipped to handle sin. Sin handles you. But the blood still breaks the bondage of sin. But in order to have deliverance, you've got to walk out of the world and say, I don't want anything it has to offer. I just want what God has for my life. You ought to lift your hands all over this building in this house. Come on, you ought to lift your voice right now. 
I need a prayer warrior to lift your voice right now. Come on, somebody talk to God. I'm asking somebody, if you died today, are you on your way to heaven? No, it's different. We can stand to our feet today. But I've got to make sure this is as clear as possible. And God's going to move in this altar call. He said, repent. That's turn your back on sin, okay? That's leaving the world. That's leaving sin behind. That's saying, I'm not doing it anymore. That's changing your mind. That's the battle, isn't it? Loving the world. Well, I'll get right someday. When's that day going to be? I've been saying that for years. What's it going to take for God to get your attention? Because he loves you too much to let you go to hell easy. When you've repented of your sins, that you've stopped the process. God, I'm not buying the cigarettes anymore. God, I'm not watching that anymore. God, I'm not talking that way. I'm not still going to cuss when I get mad. Preacher's going to name sin, so let's just have to get tight for a moment. God, I'm not going to keep sleeping with somebody I'm not married to. God, I, I, I know I, I won't actually commit adultery. I'm just going to watch it on the television and be entertained by other people that commit adultery. But repentance is saying I'm done. Let me tell you what baptism is. Baptism is not just a sign of your faith that you've made a walk to start with God. It is for the remission of sins. That's what the answer said. This is where sins are washed away. This is where the blood, Hebrews 9.22, without blood there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. This is where the blood is applied. The blood is not applied at repentance. That's where the old you dies. This is where you're buried. That's why Romans 6 said we are buried with him in baptism. And as many, Paul said in another letter, as many as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This is where Christ is applied to your life. This is not to say, well, I'm going to become a Pentecostal, so let me get baptized into their church. That's not the purpose of baptism. The purpose of baptism is where the blood washes your sins away. This is why the world, this is why the devil is in false religion. Because he wants to tell people that you can be saved without baptism. Because he knows without any blood, there's no removal of sins. And according to your Bible, if you don't go down in the water and have the name of Jesus set over you, no sins and no blood, no sins are removed and no blood is applied. That's the purpose of baptism. And the Holy Ghost, Romans 8 and 9 says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you're not born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot be saved unless you repent of your sins, are baptized in Jesus' name to have your sins remitted, and receive the promise of the Holy Ghost to keep on living right. And God wants to do it for people in this service this morning. There's people in this building that's got some heavy stuff going on in your life. 
And if you'd be honest with yourself, things you've tried ain't been fixing it. There's people in this house that are like my father that said, I've repeated that sinner's prayer many times, and I kept never feeling deliverance. I'm going to tell you, why not do what the Bible says? Start in repentance and begin to let things die in your life. There are people in this house today, you didn't think anyone saw you when you were banging your steering wheel in frustration about what's happening in your life. God saw it. God saw it. And God's saying there's more to this salvation than this watered-down taste that you've received. There's somebody in this house, several, you're running from God. And you're trying to prove that you can live life your way. And you're going to face plant because you're going to find out sin's not easy. But the goodness and the mercy of God is in this building right now. I need somebody to lift your voice and begin to pray all over this house. If somebody's already got the Holy Ghost, I need you to lift your voice. We're fixing to move to this altar. I'm not going to make an altar call. I'm going to make an altar pull. I'm pulling for everybody in this building with lifted voices. Would you grab the person next to you? Would you step out of your pew? Don't come up here to just go through motions. Don't come up here to repeat a sinner's prayer. I challenge you to come up here and find you a place as everybody that's a member of this church begins to move right now and get in close to this altar. I challenge you to find a place to lift your voice and begin to repent. God, search me. God, I'm sorry. God, empty me. Come on. God wants to fill people with the Holy Ghost in this house today. Backslider, it's time to quit doing it your way. You hear this preacher right now. You know too much to play the games that you're playing. God's got too much invested in you to let you go to hell without a fight. I've come to pull today. I've come to pull for the first-time guest that is tired of trying things that don't work. I've come to pull for people that have repeated prayers and you're still struggling with your bitterness. You're still fighting with your depression. I've come to pull you stay in this altar until you begin to speak with other tongues like they did on day one. God, let a spirit of repentance sweep this altar. That's it. Come out of the aisles. There's room for every man, every woman. Come in close to this altar. Lift your voice and begin to pray. Somebody needs to come back home in this house right now. Somebody needs to say, God, uh, I've tried everything else. You've got nothing to lose. You've got nothing to prove. Why don't you let the word of God talk to your heart right now? Why don't you let God save your soul in this building? Come on, I need to pray in church to help me right now. I need to pray in church to help me right now. I need a child of God to join up and help someone pray. Come on, sir. You can't have parts of truth and just get rid of the ones you're not comfortable with. You can't hold on to the power of God and not have the lifestyle. Are you hearing this preacher right now? It's an all-package deal. God said, come on. Come through the door. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost change some stuff. Come on, you know this is right. Come on, God's reaching for you. God's going to lift some heaviness in this house today. God's going to break the lies of hell in this house for somebody. Come on, I've given you the answer. If you're looking for salvation, you ought to be in this altar with your voice lifted and pray till you pray through to the Holy Ghost. God, empty me of my way. Empty me of my will. Empty me of a love for the world. 
Empty me of my pride. Empty me of the stuff I can't let go of. God, I want to repent. God, I've got to have the blood upon. Come on, somebody. What did you come here for today? Let God break some stuff in this house. Let your church pray, pray, pray.